Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never, Ever Give Up Hope. This is a show about people who have done just that. That no matter what circumstances they found themselves in, no matter what, they never gave up. And what I realized after doing this show for four years now is everybody has a story. Everybody has experienced life and needs to share those experiences and especially those like the guests on my show who have survived incredible circumstances because these are the people that give back they give back to their community to their to society at large for what they have gone through what they have learned and with teachable tactics and tips on how to survive even the worst of circumstances. So I am so happy to have each of my guests on my show. It has been a wonderful, incredible journey. And now we are starting into another year. And so I thank you both to my guests and of course to my listeners because without listeners we wouldn't have a show. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries, which just shows me that there are people all over this planet who are looking for the same encouragement, that word of hope. And sometimes we only have a thread to hang on to, but when we do and we don't give up, that's when we are successful. So thank you for listening, and with me today I have B. Lynn Goodwin. She is the owner, editor, writer, and manuscript coach at writeradvice.com. She's also an award-winning author for her memoir, which I know you're going to enjoy. It's called Never Too Late, From Wannabe to Wife at 62. She's going to share that story with us today. She also wrote, You Want Me to Do What? which is journaling for caregivers. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you. It's nice to be here. The first question I have is obvious, (laughs) and that is, were you waiting for your Prince Charming all those years, or did marriage not interest you until you met that Mr. Right? I gave up on the, well, in high school, of course, I wanted to find Prince Charming. Um, because that's what you did in the 60s in high school. But it didn't work out for me, and I kind of lost interest. Instead, I built an award-winning high school drama department, and um, eventually, after 
several stints of several things. Um, I got curious. I tried um, a different site that had a fee and had no luck. And so I went to Craigslist and had some really bad dates. (laughs) You don't talk about those, do you? No, no. um, Those are buried, and I don't remember (laughs) the people's names anyway. Um, I met a really nice man on Craigslist who was in his fifth year as a pancreatic cancer survivor. But he passed away after about two years of our friendship. And um, I didn't do anything for a year. I just, you know, enjoyed solitude. And on the 4th of July, I'm seeing all these families and all this interaction. And I'm alone except for my first dog, Miko McPuppers. And um, about... It was after the fireworks. It was almost midnight. Um, I just thought I'd give Craigslist one more look. It was really pretty awful, all except for one unique, interesting, fascinating, really, ad. Um, this man had written a, he'd written an extended metaphor with spelling mistakes. And I wasn't quite sure that he knew what an extended metaphor was, um, but I knew there was a spark of something unique there. And besides, it was really easy to write back. I just took it line by line and, and responded to exactly what he had said. He liked that, and we went from there. And we will have seven years of marriage on February 17th. Oh, isn't that awesome. So how long did you date? <laughs> a whole seven months, he was ready to get married really quickly because at our age, who needs to wait? But I um, did need to wait for a couple of reasons explored in the book. Uh, one of them was that I had never been married. I had always lived alone. Bringing a dog into my life had been a big deal. Mm. Um, and the other is that we had a lot of different life experiences. Of course. Uh, and... Um, that's further explained in the book as well. He's come a long way with some of those circumstances, and so have I. So what is the purpose of the book? Is it strictly a story, or are you giving, is it more like a, a Dear Abby advice type column where you share what you went through and maybe to help others avoid some of these uh, situations? Or tell us about that. Um, it is a story, but it is a story filled with examples of how he and I made an improbable relationship work. Okay. What we said, what we did, what we thought about, uh, what came next. He believes that the secret to a marriage, to a good marriage, is no secrets. Wow. And he was very forthright from the beginning. He wanted me to know who he was, where he'd been, where he was in his life what his belief system was. He told me about his finances. Um, He was very, very specific. I had far less to share with him. I had not been married twice. He's a widower both times. I told him about uh, my award-winning high school drama department. I told him about my mom 
who I was a caregiver for for six years. I told him about my manuscript talent, which is young adult, which is now out in the world. Told him about writer advice. We did not match each other story for story. Mm-hmm. He's very, I suppose he gets it from being a pastor. He's very intuitive. And he knows if something's not quite right. And we talk about it. And I have learned that it's okay to talk about it and be honest, and I won't be judged for it. And that alone is a huge gift to me. With hindsight, yes, and thinking about others who may be going through something like this as well, is there any any low points that you had where, besides the couple that you mentioned, <laughs> that were really where you almost gave up hope that you would ever find somebody? Well, I was absolutely sure I wouldn't find somebody by the time I was, well, I remember when I was 30, I had a dress rehearsal for an evening of one act. I came home, I found a um, corning wear casserole in my refrigerator in my apartment, and uh, it was from my mom, who, you know, moms and birthdays. It's my 30th birthday, and I thought, oh, you know what? I forgot to get married and have a kid. <laughs> it was that far removed, and um, from there, things kind of slid downhill. I did not date. I did not try to date. I did a variety of college jobs. Uh, I was what's called a freeway flyer, and things were not real good in my 30s. Marriage was probably the least of my concerns. It never occurred to me that it wasn't too late that a relationship might solve everything. I, I, that didn't really occur to me until I met Richard, who knew what he wanted. Okay. Knew how to go about getting it. Uh, knew what women liked and would listen and has learned that all women are not alike. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I think he had that misconception. Oh. <laughs> he knows better now. All right. Can you tell us uh, what the... Is it an article that you wrote called You Want Me to Do What? Or is that... Oh, um, that's a book. Okay. Um, Tell us about that book. Yes, it's a very slim volume. It's still available on Amazon. All it is is encouragement telling caregivers they can do anything they want to do, including writing. And then it's over 200 sentence starts. So they never have to face a blank page. What you do is you finish the sentence, and then you write the next sentence, and the next sentence, and the next sentence, and you're journaling. You can set a timer if you need to for 10 minutes or 15 or 20, and journaling allows you to process whatever is going on. I wish I'd done more journaling in my 30s now that I think of it. Journaling is a tool for writers and non-writers. It's often the first step in telling a story. And trust me, caregivers have a million stories to tell. What was your experience as a caregiver? I don't believe you mentioned that. No, I didn't. My mother had what she called, what I call her refrigerator incident uh, in... Three days after I finished at Ohlone College, she called me up on a Saturday and said, I just had the most amazing thing happen. I was in 
the kitchen with my hand on the refrigerator and then I was in the dining room and then I was in the kitchen and then I was in the dining room and then I was in the kitchen, but my hand never left the refrigerator door. And then she said something even more odd. She said, can you come over? I can't walk. Oh, dear. And that was the beginning of six weeks in the hospital and six years of mom, what I call mom care because she didn't need a caregiver. She was fine to be alone as long as I came over every day, took out her garbage, brought in her mail, um, mailed her bills, brought her groceries, etc. You know the drill if you've ever right, been. Right, right. Yeah. And so, what does the title mean? You want me to do what in capital letters? Meaning, it means it, you have yet another outrageous request for me in addition to all that I am doing. Okay. okay. But what this is, is the caregiver caring for herself. Okay. And caregiver resources have in, improved incredibly since um, the late 90s, which was when I was doing this. And what about is. Talent, another book of yours as well? Yeah, Talent is a young adult novel. A 15 and a half year old Sandy Mason wants to find her talent, get her license, and stop living in the shadow of her big brother who disappeared in Afghanistan. So this is an adventure with a 15 and a half year old protagonist who keeps nagging me because she wants to be in a new book I'm working on. <laughs> it's not even in her town, but we're, we're negotiating. That book is going kind of slowly because I'm also working a lot on flash fiction right now. So you are writing a variety of types of books now. That is correct. I have not picked my genre yet. Just okay, like okay. And also, uh, you you have consultation services regarding yeah. writing. Do you uh, share that with us? I'm sure okay. that that our audience will be very interested to know how you can help them. Okay, if you are if you're having trouble starting a manuscript, if you're stuck in the middle of a manuscript, if you're not sure how to end it, if you need a developmental edit, if you need a line edit, if you need proofreading, take a look at the manuscript consultation page on www.writeradvice.com and I'm pretty sure Carol will post that at the end of this interview. You can get a lot of feedback from me. I will do a 500 word sample of your manuscript. I recently had someone send me chapter 20. I do prefer that you send me the beginning of the manuscript. Mm. Uh, I also run four contests a year, but really what I'm doing is offering feedback four times a year for a small fee, and you also have the chance to win a prize. And any type of writing? Okay, right um, in between January 2nd and March 1st, we have Flash Memoir, then starting in April through June 1st, we go to Flash Fiction. And yes, there is overlap. The summer contest varies depending, quite frankly, on my the plans my husband and I have for travel. And um, I announce it usually in spring. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fall is always scintillating starts in which you send me the first 
um, usually 1,250 words of your manuscript. And I put on my agent hat, not that I've ever been an agent, but I have been an actor and I know what agents are looking for. And what you do is you get a feedback from me as a writer. And then I put on my agent hat and I tell you why I would take it or what I think you should do before you send it to an agent. Okay. And do you do editing as well? Or what are all the different services that you provide? Yeah. um, Developmental editing is one kind of editing, um, which I look at the whole book and make suggestions about where you could develop ideas more, what you should cut, and sometimes reordering things. Then there is line editing, in which I go through line by line and make sure everything is smooth, everything is flow, everything flows, everything is related to your main point. And then I go to uh, proofreading, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, I've never seen the manuscript before, and I will pick up things that your eyes just gloss over because right, you're right. supposed to say. Um, so those are three kinds of edits I do. I also troubleshoot by answering questions. I offer an independent study class through Story Circle Network, which runs for four weeks. And in there, we work on scenes, and I answer all kinds of questions, whatever you want to know about, including questions about query letters and marketing and how to make a scene work and what is and isn't working. But there we go scene by scene. And are you referring also to screenwriting? I'm not very good with screenwriting, no. Um, I would recommend a couple of people for screenwriting, but I don't do as well with screenwriting or with poetry. I can read a poem and tell you what I get out of it. And from that, you can tell if you wanted to get something across that is not reaching me. I don't do well with form in poetry. I haven't okay. studied that very much. And um, I've taken one screenwriting class in my whole life. I've seen a lot of movies. But it's <laughs> and what about, do, do you prefer if people would send you a manuscript or an outline? And, um, oh, manuscript. It, manuscript. Okay. Yeah, but, but a thorough person is going to give me a brief summary. Yes, okay. Um, even even with um, the 500-word free thing, if you send me, and I'm talking brief, I'm saying a paragraph or two, mm-hmm. and just condensing your story to a paragraph or two is a whole art form, and that's where my query letter consultations come in. I'm running a special in January, $35, uh, for $35, I will read your query letter, tell you what works well, what I like, what's original, what trips me up, what's not clear. And what I bring to this, in addition to a lot of experience, is fresh eyes. I don't know you. I don't know your writing. I'm not part of your critique group. I'm not used to your style. I'm an ag- like an agent looking at it from... Uh, you know, giving it my first look. Right. And your experience is, um, is it strictly from what you have done, like in your own writing, or where does your expertise come from? 
my expertise comes from a lot of life experience. Okay. A number of classes, some of them online, some of them face-to-face. I don't do a lot of face-to-face. I don't like to trek into a lot of classes anymore. I have fibromyalgia, and sometimes it's just too much. Have you ever had to turn a manuscript down realizing that this just ain't going to work? I've never turned anything down flat, but I have suggested some extensive rewriting. (laughs) And And how was that received? Is that received okay? Well, first I always start by telling people what's right about it. Good. If people do not receive it well, they don't tell me about it. Okay, okay. Uh, You know, there's a whole range of people out there. I don't, apparently I don't make people mad enough to get irate at me. I did have one woman I used to teach with who got back to me several months after she'd been in the independent study class. Very wise woman. She said, I read your comments several times, and what I finally discovered is that there is a different style between writing for performance, she was doing stand-up pieces, and um, writing for readers. And I didn't spell that out to her because I have too much respect for her to hit her over the head with that. I figured she knew that. It came to her slowly. She stayed with it and figured that out, and then she wanted to work again. One thing that I have noticed in in reading a lot of different things that uh, people write is you know whether it's uh, for my show or for blog posts or websites or whatever and that is that many writers who deem themselves as experts write in a manner that the average person would have difficulty grasping yes am i wrong in assuming that or is it because I'm not an expert writer that I, you know, that I write more down to earth? And what is preferred? The reason I'm asking you is as you're talking and from your experience, I'm assuming that you like stories or articles or whatever that everybody can understand and they don't need a dictionary. Well, that is absolutely true. I believe that less is more. I believe that you are writing to be read. I know for a fact that there is a huge range of reading skill in this country, and I like to make my um, work available to everyone. A lot of things can be read on more than one level. Okay. A good poem does that. It Never Too Late does that. Of course, the people who know me. Uh, read it on more than one level but I know from the comments on Amazon that many astute readers found layers in this book and there are a couple of people who just didn't get it that's going to happen with any piece of writing but if you are writing to show off your vocabulary right right don't send it to me <laughs> and don't send it to your college professor oh really Uh, Yeah, unless college professor says, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z level of vocabulary. Okay. Um, Less is more, find the synonym that communicates instead of using the phrase that confuses. So do you stop your um, consultation with 
helping them with the writing aspect or do you help them with marketing as well? I will give marketing advice. I will give out a lot of URLs. I will work with a query letter. I will not work as an agent. Never pretended to be. I can think like an agent, but I am not an agent. Mm -hmm. I don't have that aggressive streak in me. That will never work out, and I don't intervene for authors on behalf of. I don't have time for that. Well, considering what this show is all about and what you have shared, and Mm -hmm. that is giving up hope. It's, It's true with writers, too, isn't it? Thinking that they may never be able to write what they want to or that they're not good enough or you know it's a hopeless effort what do you have to say to them there are a ton of articles about people who were ready to give up hope and something happened what i say to them is you can look for inspiration there but an even better thing to do is to just Sit down with your journal, whether it's on the computer or in a book. Write about the issue you're having. And what usually happens is that you write about the issue, and as you put pen to paper, there is a kind of level of commitment. And a separate part of your brain starts thinking of strategies, and pretty soon you're writing strategies for what you could do next. I've done that as recently as Tuesday of this week and just did a rewrite on a story that now works. There are plenty of people who can quit. There are even a few people. No, there aren't any but any people who should quit. There are people who should set something aside. And there are people who should take an objective look. And there are people who should find new strategies. But nobody should ever quit telling the story. It's your story. Nobody right. can tell it but you. Um, The other thing you can do is go to my blog, belingoodwin.com. The latest, I don't know if it will be the latest blog post when this is up, but there is one up for January 3rd that is inspirational. And I, I do not know the original source. I know that I rewrote some, but not all of them. It's about having a positive outlook and why you are entitled to a positive outlook and there is a small plug for my book at the bottom that comes okay well you have certainly given us a lot of tips more available absolutely and i see that from your website so that's what i will definitely have in the show notes that they can connect with you and hopefully you'll be able to help some of the listeners i know you will and i i encourage them to contact you Because you sound like the type of person that you aren't going to just say no in a flat. And I know that there are a lot of people who want to write and are discouraged because they can't seem to get past that hurdle of finding somebody who will actually help them instead of just turning them down. And you strike me as the kind of person that you want to help people who want to be writers and to share their story and you will be a guide And I think that's very valuable, and I appreciate what you shared today. Is there anything that you would like to add in conclusion? I can't think of anything right now. Um, I really encourage people to... You can go to Amazon and read the opening of the book, 
and I encourage you to do that. A lot of people have gotten hooked that way. It is a story of, okay, it is a story of hope. I was 62 years old. Right. You can see one of my better pictures of me and my husband on the back of the book. Um, I am no beauty queen, and that's part of why I gave up. But anybody can find somebody. Great. I found the right person. I got very, very lucky. But look at how long it took me to do. And it's true, I never had children of my own. I have seven adult stepchildren. I can't call them children. Adult <laughs> stepchildren. Um, and 15 grandchildren, some of whom I have not met. We don't have any great-grands yet. And I had 183 kids a semester when I was teaching. <laughs> There you so go. There, okay. there are ways around everything. That's right. And That's writing right. is a tool to get out of the funk, to process the funk and move on. Oh, that's excellent. I like that. Writing is a tool to get out of the funk. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. I really appreciate, as I mentioned, the tips and the encouragement. And we look forward to your next book i look forward to my next book too i'm doing a lot of other stuff but i i think it may turn out to be who knows what it's going to turn out to be i'm glad you look forward to it okay all right thank you and goodbye bye-bye thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.